This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock with the Retirement Detective Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. In today's episode, we will pick up where we left off with the last episode where we talked about correlation by moving on today to talk about alternative investments, what they are, and how to evaluate them as the first of a multi-part series on alternative investing. I will point out to you today that I am sick and sound a little stuffy, and so this is going to be a short episode so that uh, we can move on to longer episodes where I sound more like myself. But today I wanted to set up our next episode, which will be a deep dive into some alternative investment strategies by today linking our last episode on correlation to today's episode on evaluating alternative investments. So in the last episode, we explained that correlation is basically the degree to which two variables are are linked and move sort of in tandem or move together or don't or move opposite one each one another perhaps. Positive correlations mean uh, both variables tend to increase in size as they move one direction Negative correlated means that the variables move in opposite directions. So as one grows, the other shrinks. And if there's no discernible relationship between two variables, then they're completely uncorrelated. When you're building a portfolio, it's advantageous to put assets in portfolios that are not perfectly correlated. So the reason you do this is that as you go in and perhaps decide to periodically rebalance, not everything will be necessarily down at the same time. Creating portfolios with multiple asset classes is a way to reduce volatility in your portfolio. So for instance, a lot of people have stocks and bonds in their portfolio or equities and fixed income to say it another way. And often when equities are performing well, bonds may not be and vice versa so that some part of your portfolio is at least hopefully doing well all of the time, but not every part of your portfolio is doing well all of the time. And that does create an offset, so that in times where the stock market's not doing well, you're hopefully not doing quite as bad as the market because maybe your fixed income portfolio is doing quite well, and vice versa. You may not participate in quite as much of the market returns when the markets are doing well because you have some fixed income that just doesn't perform quite as well in those great markets. But the combined effect is that you can still have a nice return, but with less volatility. Some clients, some people, some investors take that a step further and add what's called alternative investments to their portfolio. Alternative investments 
in my mind, are really something that's not a traditional stock, bond, or cash. Those are the three old school traditional asset classes. Individual stocks and stock funds, individual bonds and bond funds, and cash. So examples of alternative investments would be real estate, private equity, commodities. Those are some of the really common ones. You also have things like hedge funds and distressed investments, which are a little more nuanced and complicated. Now, some of these alternatives can be offered in a mutual fund format, and those are generally referred to as liquid alternatives because traditionally a lot of these strategies are illiquid. They're a limited partnership or some other investment structure where you put in your investment and you may not be able to realistically get your money back out for several years. So a fund format version of these was created to give investors an opportunity to have some degree of liquidity if they needed it. Let's talk about these in general. They do all share a number of things in common. So most alternatives have a few tricky things about them that that really separate them from stocks and bonds. So number one, low liquidity. I already mentioned this. So usually when you're investing in these things, you're investing in a format that um, is a private partnership or a limited partnership. And so you have to evaluate whether you're comfortable putting your money in one of these investments for quite a long time without a realistic opportunity to get it back out. Now, in the fund format versions of some of these, you may have more liquidity, but sometimes those are even offered in what's called an interval fund, where it's still a mutual fund, but it does not have daily liquidity. Another thing to consider is performance evaluation. So with a stock mutual fund, it's usually pretty easy to evaluate how good that fund is doing. They'll provide in their prospectus what their stated benchmark is. Maybe it's the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones Industrial Average or some other index. And then you can pull the data for that index and compare it and see how you did. If, for instance, you're buying a, a commodity fund that invests in oil and gas and wheat and corn and coffee beans, for instance, that's much harder to benchmark. You could certainly pull the performance for all the underlying pricing of those different commodities, but in what weighting and and what proportion? It's challenging. And same goes for the other types of alternative investments. In many cases, they are quite difficult to benchmark to something that is a direct um, index. Now, what some practitioners will do will benchmark them against the what's called what I would call the opportunity cost. So, for instance, you might say, "Well, I have this money that I'm going to set aside for really long-term growth, and instead of putting that in the stock market, I'm going to invest in this alternative asset class." So, even though the exact alternative I'm investing in doesn't have maybe an index that's suitable. I can index it against the the next best thing I would have bought, which would have been an investment in the stock market or a stock fund. And you could compare it to that, for instance. But even that is a little bit flawed because you're talking about an apples to orange comparison. 
also a lot of alternative investments don't have great transparency. So when you're buying in a stock fund, you generally are able to get a listing of all of the holdings within that fund pretty easily. You can see exactly what it owns. With an alternative investment, that's much more difficult, which further makes it harder to evaluate. Another thing to consider is um, due diligence cost. So especially for a private partnership, there often is a cost to evaluating whether this is a good investment or not. It may involve attorneys or um, other professionals to look at the offering and decide if it's safe and worthwhile and, and all those sorts of things. Now in a fund format version, that greatly lowers the due diligence cost because everything's that you should need to know would be in the prospectus and you can read it. Um, but it does take a more experienced investor to be able to read that and understand it well and know exactly what they're looking at and getting into. Now on the positive side, usually one of the best things about alternative asset classes is their diversification characteristics. So they have really low correlation with the traditional stock and bond asset classes and can offer great diversification, therefore, to a more traditional portfolio. So those are really the four things that you have to keep in mind when you're investing in alternative investments is that there may not be as much liquidity. It may be hard to evaluate the performance of that investment compared to a benchmark. They may have a cost to do your due diligence and on the positive side they offer great diversification that's that's why you would consider this at all because all of the others are are sort of negatives now another one i'll add here which is um not necessarily uh unique to alternative investments because traditional stock and bond funds could have this characteristic too um but that's higher fees so these are harder asset classes to manage and therefore the management fees, whether it's in a partnership or in a fund format, are gonna be higher than what you would find probably with a traditional stock or bond fund. Not all alternative investments have really high fees, but I would just say on average, I think the fees are higher and you really wanna be careful, especially if you're looking at a private investment, like a private partnership, that you really understand the terms and conditions of the fee structure because it can get very complicated. When you're evaluating these things, I think um, an investor has to look at a number of different aspects to decide if an alternative investment is appropriate for them. One that comes front of mind is taxes. So we all have to pay tax, right? But when you have an investment that's a limited partnership, that creates some tax challenges that are different than what you would have with a more liquid investment like a mutual fund. You get different tax forms. The timing of those receipts of those tax forms may be challenging, requiring you to perhaps have to extend your tax return more often. And there's other nuances to consider. Doesn't mean that you should avoid them for tax reasons only, you just need to know what you're getting into. Number two, and I think this is probably the most important one, but you really have to understand if an alternative investment is appropriate for you at all. 
and and that's unique to each person and their situation, but it's harder to understand. It's generally less liquid, and that therefore means that it probably makes more sense for it to be uh, utilized by someone that's a little more of a sophisticated investor. Doesn't mean that uh, the average person can't go out there and, and try to invest in these things, but the question is, should they? Not can they, but should they? Is it appropriate for them and their risk profile? Everyone has goals that they're trying to meet financially. Some are short-term, some are long-term. So it's important to evaluate and make sure that an alternative investment makes sense in the context of those goals. Even though it may offer the best diversification benefits in the world, if you need all of your money for a goal that's six months from now, an alternative investment is probably not the right purchase for you. So those are some of the things to consider when you're considering investing in alternative investments. Um, There are lots of other aspects we could discuss on how to do the due diligence, et cetera. But I mainly wanted to talk about how they're different from regular asset classes and some of the key issues that you have to consider, uh, which are namely, in my mind, taxes and whether or not it's an appropriate investment to begin with. In our next episode, we'll dive further into the due diligence process and also start actually unwrapping some of these different strategies to talk about them how they work, and the different benefits of each. We'll see you next time. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.